1: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Alison Chantel, and this is Success How I Did It from Business Insider. We've talked to a lot of accomplished startup founders this year, and we kept hearing over and over that there's often one thing or one key moment that catapults a company from obscurity into the big leagues. Sometimes it was an inspired decision, But other times, it was good luck and good timing. On this episode, the single things that made Zillow, Tinder, Orby Parker, and others into household names. If you're thinking about buying a home, or you're just a little bit obsessed with real estate, you probably spend a lot of time on Zillow. The site allows you to see what's on the market right now. But if that's all it did, Zillow probably wouldn't be worth $8 billion. The one key thing that made Zillow really big is the Zestimate. CEO Spencer Raskoff says the company had an insight before it launched that everybody wants to know what the current value of their home is and their neighbors.
2: We said, "Okay, let's try to figure out what every house in the country is worth. Great. Okay, how do we do that? Well, I know. Let's call Stan. And literally, we called Dr. Stan Humphreys, who was running analytics and personalization at Expedia. And we said, Stan, we finally figured out what we want to do. We want to figure out what every house in the country is worth. And we want you to be the person who helps us do that. And he said, well, I don't know anything about real estate. And we said, it's okay. This is not about real estate. This is a math problem. It has nothing to do with real estate. And we went about the task of assembling all this data from county sources. So most of this information, bad bath square footage, tax assessment, sale history, is available in county courthouses. But we had to go acquire it, digitize it, and then build the data layer, the Zestimate, that sits on top of that. And when we launched in, I think it was February of 2006, we got about a million visitors within the first day. Even all these years later, I still don't think any other service, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever, I don't think anyone else has had a million users in day one because it's so cool and so innovative to say, like, oh, my God, I can grab my kid's school roster and I can Zillow everybody at my kid's school and you know, see what everyone's house is worth, see what everyone paid for the home. And that was just like this, oh, my God, kind of thing that launched the company in 2006.
1: Just hours after the Zillow site went up, it crashed from all the traffic. But nearly eight years later, it's hard to imagine real estate without it. It's also hard to imagine dating these days without Tinder. Millions of people use the app, which lets them swipe right for people they find attractive and left for those they don't. But when Tinder launched in 2012, its founder, Sean Rad, had to find a way to get users. He started by spamming everyone he knew to sign up for the app. Then, Rad says, his co-founder, Justin Mateen, had a different genius idea.
3: Justin's younger brother was throwing a birthday party for his best friend at USC. And he had a bus uh, going from USC to his parents' home. Like, I mean, the bus was going back and forth, and it was a total of 500 students. So, um, you know, Justin called me one day, and he's like, he's like, let's, let's pay for the bus and call this a Tinder party. And I'm like, it's some... Poor girl's birthday like <laughs> what do what, what do you mean we're gonna call it our party and so he called the birthday girl and asked like can we make this a tinder party and we'll spend money and we'll make it bigger and we'll make it better and she was really excited about the idea so we called it a tinder party and we paid for the bus but then we put a bouncer at the door and told every student that they couldn't walk in unless they downloaded tinder So you would literally have to show Tinder on your phone. So about like 400 people downloaded Tinder at USC. And uh, I'm sure no one really knew what they downloaded when they walked in. But then they went home and opened the app and started matching with each other um, and started seeing each other. And I think it really created a phenomenon within USC. Immediately after that, I remember like every afternoon we would leave the office, the whole team. Get in a car and like we were driving by every fraternity, sorority in Los Angeles, and like then San Diego, then Orange County, and like basically every school we could cover. In the beginning of January, we had about twenty thousand users, and at the end of January, we had five hundred thousand users, all organic. So I mean, it was I mean the growth curve was just unimaginable. Uh, So it was it was pretty amazing.
1: Just like Tinder needed users, the skim needed readers. It's a daily newsletter that summarizes the news with sass and personality, and it's targeted at smart, busy people. Co-founders Danielle Weisberg and Carly Zakin quit their jobs at NBC and went into credit card debt to launch the site. And like Tinder did, they started by sending the email to everyone in their address books. Then, Weisberg says, they got bold.
4: We had also emailed every news anchor out there, truly. And we were like, we didn't know most of them, but we were like, we're former NBCers, like, thought you would love this, thought you would appreciate, you know, the need that we're solving. And most of them didn't respond. Um, Hoda Coppy responded and she said, you know, I'll check it out. Like, sounds great. We did not know her. We followed up two more times, no response. Day four of us in business, she said we were one of her favorite things on air. And it totally changed her life. Oh my gosh. So we went from, you know at that point let's just say under a thousand users and she put us on the map and all of a sudden we had geographic diversity and all of a sudden we had huge pockets of the country that were paying attention to what we were doing
1: wow so what does a hoda bump do to your newsletter
4: subscribers it crashed our site uh it crashed our email inbox um we got a few thousand people from it and, and that you know we were literally it was so funny we went we were actually back visiting our old bosses we were at 30 rock we were in Starbucks, and I tried to load my email, and it wouldn't load. And then someone wrote on our Facebook wall, um, just saw you on the Today Show. And we thought we were like, caught walking on the plaza like in, in the background. And We were like, oh, how embarrassing. Like, What were we doing? And then we realized, and then someone had posted what she had done. Um, so it, it was life-changing.
1: Sometimes you're working on a product that you think is brilliant, but your customers have their own ideas. That's what happened with PayPal. Co-founder Max Levchin was hard at work in the 90s on a way for people to pay each other from Palm Pilot to Palm Pilot, But he noticed users were going their own way.
5: I started noticing that people were transacting through it. And then I got an email from someone saying, hey, do you have a logo? I need a logo ideally scaled down so I can embed it in my eBay auction posting. And the, up until that point, I had a really very peripheral understanding of how eBay worked and what it did. And so I just looked it up and thought, oh my God, this is like a... A den of illicit commerce. I, I need to block them from touching my product. So I actually spent a fair amount of time trying to push eBay users away from PayPal. At some point, Peter asked me, what are you spending your time on? I said, oh, there's eBay users. They're just trying to use our product like crazy. They're like cockroaches. They try to block them off and they keep on coming in through a different entrance. I said, I think that's what they call market pull. <laughs> I, th- I think all these people trying to pay online, they don't have any better choice than your haphazardly put together demo. And so... The last pivot of PayPal was pulled into its final shape by the eBay public.
1: Successful entrepreneurs are often brilliant marketers. Take Dropbox co-founder Drew Houston and real estate magnate-turned-Shark Tank star Barbara Corcoran. When Houston was launching a service to store files in the cloud, he stumbled onto a viral idea that many have tried since.
5: So we made a demo video
2: for Dropbox. That was how we got our first couple hundred thousand users. But really what ended up really working was we We had this incentive referral program so that if I invited you to Dropbox, you would get some free space. I would get some free space. Um, So that two-side incentive and kind of gamifying that um, ended up making something that was otherwise a pretty kind of single-player utility into something that um, people used for sharing or, or that spread virally.
1: And when Barbara Corcoran was starting her real estate business in the 70s, she came up with a gimmick that worked. Back then, three-line ads in the New York Times cost about $12. So she needed to find a way to make her apartment stand out.
0: I looked at and looked at and looked at the New York Times ads and saw there were hundreds and hundreds. One bedroom, 320 a month. One bedroom, 330 a month. Doorman, one bedroom, 340 a month. And they all looked alike. And so I went back to him and said, could you build a half wall between the L and the living room? So I could advertise as a one-bedroom den. So that Sunday, my ad went in, even before the wall was built, one BR plus den, 340. It fit on one line, right margin to margin. And I probably got 80 phone calls that next morning.
1: Even if you have a great product and a talented team, you still need some luck. Neil Blumenthal and Dave Gilboa are co-founders of Warby Parker. When they were starting out, they knew their glasses company stood out from the competition, but they needed others to agree. So they were lucky enough to get meetings with fashion magazines like Vogue and GQ but they had no idea what was in store when Warby was featured in the pages of those publications.
0: Our website wasn't ready to launch and the fashion director at GQ calls us up and is like, guys, like the magazine's gonna hit newsstands any day now. Where is the website? Because we were gonna be in the March issue of GQ uh, and it was February and we thought, oh, we have a whole month. Um, and just to show you our naivete, it's like, no, the March issue comes out in February. <laughs> so we literally scrambled, got the website up, We ended up hitting our first year sales uh, targets in three weeks, sold out of our top 15 styles in four weeks, had a wait list of over 20,000 people. Um, It was mayhem. Um, And the question is, how do we maintain that momentum? So when we got those features in Vogue and GQ, it was literally that moment that the business took off.
1: The team at Warby Parker will be the first to tell you, you can't control if or when that big break will come, but you should always be ready for it
0: founders uh, and CEOs try and often take credit for being the smartest people in the world. But so much is serendipity and and timing.
1: We're back next week with an all new episode of Success How I Did It. If you like the show, tell your friends and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app and leave us a review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Alison Chantel. See you next week.